My name is Tanisha Quinlan and I'm the CEO of the Fremantle Chamber of Commerce. I have been remiss in earlier podcasts of not acknowledging the traditional owners of the land in which we gather and today I would like to correct that by acknowledging the traditional owners of this land, the Wajak people, and pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Today is our first month back with a small and well-spaced out live audience as well as our live Facebook feed audience who are listening in as we stream right now. In recent months, we have shifted our focus here at the Chamber to sharing these experiences, not just through our podcast, which of course you can still listen to all of our past episodes at Set the Month in Motion, but also now to a number of other digital platforms. And we haven't been the only ones. Adapt, pivot and get online has been the catch cry of business leaders across the globe as the world took a quicker than expected turn during COVID-19 pandemic. And in no more so uh, than the turn that was required for our retail and hospitality businesses. As we DIY'd our homes, learnt to bake bread, and it appears sent fresh flowers at a rate of knots, we appeared to change our shopping and retail habits. And I guess the big question today that we're exploring is, did we change them forever? Has retail as we know it gone the way of the gramophone? We have an expert panel today of both um, individuals who have been active within their uh, businesses and adapted and pivoted through this time, as well as our technical expert, Ben, um, who will talk us through some of the machinations of e-commerce and where those trends are going. So first up on our panel today, uh, Kevin Sanderson, founder and owner of Corner Store and an active member of our Chamber Small Business and Retail Committee. 40 years ago, after leaving his UK comprehensive school, which had provided a less than comprehensive education, Kevin performed his own graduation ceremony by ripping up every single textbook. And I guess that's what, how you've managed to remain so innovative and on the polls, Kevin. Years were spent faffing about as a sales assistant, printer, musician, barman, fruit picker and scotch egg packer before he met the girl of his dreams. Arriving in Fremantle 28 years ago, they co-founded Lush Women's Wear, Lit Clothing, Wanderlust Footwear and Corner Store. Well before I joined the chamber, Corner Store just always used to weave that little bit of retail magic for me. It's a place I go to get lost in pretty things and design inspiration. It's always my first protocol for gifts of any kind including myself, and we won't talk about the cockatoo unwrapped for Christmas. <laughs> it was just for me. <laughs> I think my children are still in shock as to why I wrapped a gift for myself, but anyway. So Kevin, I'm gonna start off with a big question. Do I need to start mourning my wanderings around your store? <laughs> are bricks and mortar truly dying? Um, not at all. I, I, think, I, I don't think it's dying. I think it just smells a bit funny, really, at the moment. It's, it's certainly, you know, it, well, it's an unprecedented time for the word unprecedented, really, isn't it? It's just um, things have been turned on the head somewhat. But I think, um, you know, the COVIDs, as my mum would say, have, um, it, it's, it's expedited the changes that needed to be made to retail. And we've been talking about it for years, um, you know, making uh, stores experiential and, and you know, doing more and being more reactive, responsive. Um, and I think it's, well, we, um, we've certainly tried to keep ahead of that with Corner Store, but um, I think it's also made a lot, a lot more people aware of the fact that they want more out of that experience when they go. You can't just set up a shop. You've got to have all those um, experiences lined up in a way. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's not dead, and I don't think it's dying, I think it will um, go on because it's, people like being around people. People like touching and feeling things still. And um, they, they want to belong. You know, you can see that with the reaction when, when things reopened. People want to go out and, and, I mean, we're just so lucky that we're, we're here in Western Australia and we're sitting in a room together now. We're not really, you know, a metre and a half apart, are we? I'm, I'm feeling a bit nervous about that. And I'm sure Rosie's <laughs> feeling even more nervous about it. But, but we are so lucky here. And the fact that we're actually having this meeting to discuss something like bricks and mortar surviving is, is you know, is amazing in, its sense, in, in a sense. Whereas, you know, around the world, there's so much, so 
many bad things going on, you know. And Kevin, you adapted though to yeah. take some of those concepts, and particularly totally. early in COVID. Can you talk us a bit through your yeah. experience in terms of pushing I mean, that online, yeah. what you had, and how you moved yeah. through that? Well, first of all, I, uh, I lied in the corner in the fetal position. <laughs> Gently weeping, and then I got up after about half an hour. No, um, no. <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, no, we just we basically just um, uh, we took we made a decision to, uh, to make everything free delivery online, whatever, just free delivery. So that had me driving to Darch with a ten dollar cup to deliver and things like that, which was you know refreshing. But um, you know we we just made things easier for people to shop online. We had special offers, we put things on sale. We, we just wanted to keep going regardless and not think about, oh, we're not making any money on that. It's just a matter of being seen to be making money really at the time. But as things went on, we, 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 uh, we had appointments for people. So we'd go and do distant appointments, which is great because it, it did put the, um, the shopper under pressure because they've got you out of bed at nine o'clock on Sunday morning. Um, and, and you know, okay, buy, what are you so buying yeah. then? Yeah, compelled to buy. Um, so they work really well. I mean, we just did a lot of things. And so you that... advertised that by appointment online and people yeah. were able to, yeah, to yeah. make that opportunity, see what they liked and totally. then give you a call. And yeah. people did that. Yeah, we had appointments with... We're great. We sold furniture, quite a bit of furniture in that time. I mean, we were still down on sales, but we weren't sitting, we weren't standing in the shop for eight hours a day mm. selling it. We were just, you know, we were driving everywhere to do local deliveries. Um, we, you know, we were still sending things out, you know, um, by the usual channels. And how channels. important was it that you had the existing online infrastructure to enable you to make that pivot? Oh, it was, it was fantastic. I mean, we, we had a fairly robust, you know, platform already. We were... We had an online presence. We've, we've had one for, you know, seven or eight years, I think, in a way. So it's, um, it basically just ramped up, and we, we didn't have any glitches in that way. I felt for people that didn't have that because then they're, they're sort of, you know, they're running straight away. But we just, um, yeah, we had lots and lots of orders. We were busy doing that, and so much so that we are like, this is quite nice, you know. <laughs> get up early, go and pack your orders. Send them out, drive all over Perth, learn about new suburbs that you've never even, you know, heard of before. And um, it's, it's actually worked very well. And it was quite refreshing in a way. But I'm saying that from, it's quite a privilege to be able to say yeah. that now because other people I know have not experienced. I mean, hospitality took a great hit. That's right. You know, a huge hit. And they it, didn't. in, in a way, didn't have that online other than the takeaway no. component. But again, they pivoted. They, they, they shifted, right. didn't they? I was going to find myself the same pivot. So. <laughs> okay. I think pivot is definitely the word for today. <laughs> yeah. Um, Rosie, I'm intrigued by your story. As founder and owner of Hubble and Duke, um, you're an entrepreneurial mother of three daughters who worked as an interior architect and designer for 10 years before launching your children's wear label business with your friends in 2003. For those of you that haven't seen the amazing pictures on Hubble and Duke, I really recommend you do. Um, as the sole owner of Hubble and Duke since 2017, Rosie has grown the business and solidified its position as one of Australia's most loved children's brands. You're passionate about great design, ethical manufacturing, beautiful workmanship, and of course, those gorgeous children that you feature so well. Um, designing and creating in your converted warehouse in Fremantle, Western Australia, your small and passionate team ships worldwide and now has over 160,000 Instagram followers and has previously been represented by stores in the US, New Zealand, UK, Scandinavia, and Asia. An amazing success story for Fremantle. Thank you. But Rosie, what I'm intrigued by is that you made a conscious decision many, many years ago. Obviously, you have beautiful products that could have worked in a bricks and mortar store. You chose to focus solely online. Can you talk us through what drove that decision and how it's worked for you? I think um, definitely to start with, we all had small children. So the idea of, um, and we didn't know how well the business would go, it was really more of a hobby to start with or something that an idea, a spark. Um, so to invest, we didn't have any money to invest at the start. So to have an online store where we just started a big cartel store for $20 a month. Um, and we were able to do that and just put up a few products that we were hand making ourselves and start a store. Um, we couldn't have done that if we'd had to take on a lease and, and buy um, 
all of the racking and all of that sort of thing. Plus, we didn't have a lot of stock to start with. We were making to order. So the business has evolved and changed since then um, to the point where at certain times in the business history, I could have probably had a really nice, beautiful little boutique. Um, but to staff it, um, to only be able to sell to a local customer base compared to my current global customer base um, to only have a small opening hour time set compared to being open 24 hours a day there were so many and there still are so many benefits to being online for me. Can you talk us through I mean you mentioned you started with the big cartel um, yes where you went because obviously you drive incredible traffic to your site. Can you talk through a little bit of the mechanisms on that e-commerce journey that you um, went on? So I started on Instagram at a perfect time to build a build a big following. Um, the algorithm was still chronological and it meant that there were certain methods of you post at certain times to attract more people when they're looking in the morning scrolling or just after school pick up, I mean, and drop off. Um, and that really helped to kind of zoom in on those niche times. Um, I was doing a lot of collaborations with um, people all around the world, um, giveaways, attracting different customers that way. So I did build up quite a big following quite quickly and that is all I need. Mm -hmm. Really, I have barely spent any money on marketing throughout the whole six years of the business. So. And a very consistent visual brand yes. through everything that you touch and yeah. do. Yeah. I love taking photos and that's been a big part of um, styling and taking photos and I think my aesthetic kind of appeals to quite a broad range of, of people. I do get a lot of inspiration from US brands and um, European brands as well so I do kind of try and keep up with, with them and see what they're doing as well and how they style and because it is such a different world, isn't it? The way you sell something in a bricks and mortar store to the visual required yeah. to attract and keep people online is quite different. Yeah, and I can really, um, it doesn't sound good, but I manipulate what I want to sell by mm. what I post on Instagram. So if I've got a lot of something in stock, then I'll, yeah. and I want to sell those things that day, or I'll do a few photos in a row of that item and that generates more sales on that item. It's really quite And converts simple. through yeah. that. It's amazing. And someone who has watched many, many organisations grow and start their e-commerce journey, um, Ben Dijon, founder director of the, shop, the Cut Shopify Experts. Ben started his career in as an advertising creative, working for global agencies and networks, including Cleminger BBDO, Grey Worldwide and 303 Low in markets from Hobart and Perth to Canberra and Manchester. Ben's focus has always been on strategic communication solutions, and these days those skills translate nicely into e-commerce and digital solutions. On e-commerce projects, Ben helps businesses refine their brand and communication to become more relevant and engaging to their customer, and subsequently build the sort of engagement that Rosie and Kevin have been talking about as optimising their customer experience and increasing sales conversion. Outside of the office, Ben is married to the lovely Parisa, who many of you will uh, remember here uh, for her days at the Chamber. Indeed. Um, and they live locally in Fremantle with their gorgeous daughter Olivia and a couple of cats. Um, ben, we've obviously heard two stories today um, on different takes to building an e-commerce business. Yep. You've watched both, I guess, customers over the years in that very traditional um, advertising sense, and you're now leading an organisation that does something completely different in the cut and really focuses solely on that e-commerce experience. Yep, that's right. And I guess with Shopify, you've got that really strong backing of a very strong technical um, process that we know converts and works. I'd love to hear your thoughts um, for organisations out there that are maybe starting this journey, thinking through what you've seen over the years and what would be your top three key strategies that you apply with your clients to those e-commerce solutions? Yep, sure. So I think these guys have both um, touched on some really interesting in points in terms of uh, what you should look at if you're starting an e-com business or if you've got one up and running and want to improve it and make it better. Um, we start our conversations a lot of the time around brand. Um, there is a tendency with some people that they think if I build a store, people will come to it. And if, if I have a store and people come to it, people are going to buy from me. 
So we say that we have a lot of conversations around the branding and the messaging. There's, there's, a, there's a rule that we like to talk about, the four second rule. So if someone's shopping online and they land on a website, they'll typically, you've got about, as a business, about four seconds to engage them and let them know what you're offering them and what you specialise in. And, um, it's a lot of time, is it? It's not a lot of time. And a lot of businesses don't think about that. They might have low quality photography or they might not have a strong opening statement about that, that's going to engage with the people who are their market and tell them why their brand is awesome and how it's going to help. So it's about that. I mean, I think our, what we often talk about, and you'll be able to relate to this, um, Kevin, especially, is if you've got bricks and mortar or you're familiar with the bricks and mortar experience, we would say that there are a lot of synergies between how you sell physically and how you sell online because you wouldn't allow someone to open the door to your store and have have a mess lying on the floor or have products fallen over or covered in dust. You've got to welcome people into a store, have your products displayed beautifully. You know, they need to be clean and, and well arranged in a store and they need to be beautifully fo uh, photographed on an, on an e-commerce store. So. Branding and messaging and, and having a niche um, is also important. Don't try and be everything to everyone. The more you can focus on a niche in e-commerce can be a real strength because you don't want to be a supermarket. It's very difficult to be a supermarket. If you've got a very clear niche and then that niche has a clear tone of voice and a, a well-presented brand, then you're kind of on the front foot. Um, and after that, probably the conversation starts to go into the structure of the site and the, the journey that a customer will take from finding you, landing on your homepage, to getting them to a product mm -hmm. and all the additional little touch points and what you're giving them along the way. And a lot of that comes down to the experience you're giving them. So great quality photography, helpful information, you know, FAQs that are well thought out so that you're answering, they can answer their own questions on your website, you know, lovely follow-up when they've made an order, you know, a tone of voice in all of your communications when they get an email. It's not just the stock standard Shopify out of the box one. You're getting your brand personality into every touch point. And that's the way in digital and e-com that you can really build a relationship with a customer in the same way as, as you would install, Kevin, I'm sure. Mm. They're probably the three key things. So think about that four second rule. Think about making a really strong, punchy statement to your customers when they land on your homepage and then where you're going to take them to next. Mm. Um, definitely building out your branding visually, consistently, the photography, the quality of it, and then think about that journey through to purchase. After that, a lot of the conversations we have are around email automations and marketing, um, customer reviews and the power of that, loyalty programs, and they're kind of the sort of the holy trinity. So it's almost once you've got them there, how do you keep them there? And yeah, what strategies you employ? A, a really big phrase in e-com in the last sort of couple of years, especially has become lifetime customer value. So LCV, so it's about keeping those customers who already love and like your, your brand and your products and, and keeping them engaged with your business, encouraging them to review your business online, encouraging them to bring their friends to your business, rewarding them with loyalty programs. And those things can be highly sophisticated digitally, like the, the scope for what you can do with emails, loyalty and reviews is, is unbelievable. And I guess that's such a... Um factor for most of us that have grown up, I guess, in a very traditional retail or hospitality world. The e-commerce world is changing so quickly and that personalisation and that adaptation and the ability to position products, you know, to remind you to go back to sides. Yeah. For how do you help customers, I guess, break down all of those different options to choose something that works for them in a world that is constantly growing and changing, Ben? Uh, it's always about starting at the start for us. We'll, we'll, it's, it's always a bit dangerous in e-com to, to look at where you might want to be in two years because it does change very quickly and we encourage people to, yes, have a wish list and, and yes, have a plan and a goal of some sort, but don't try and, and sort of build your perfect site. Um, I'm sure, Rosie, you've changed your site yeah. many times. I would imagine over the years in the site that she will have right now will be massively evolved from the one she launched. Mm -hmm. it, the best thing is to do is to, 
you know, follow a few key principles and get your site live and online because once you have a site live, you can start to gather data and see how people are engaging with your brand and products and, and then evolve it from there. But yeah, we, we start at the start. Emails is a big one. The, the number of businesses um, who are less sophisticated than these guys that are still using MailChimp um, and the ability, like you say, of using data and personalisation with a, an e-commerce specific email platform is unbelievable. Like you can send, you can set up automated emails to, to remind people that they haven't shopped for 90 days or six months or to say happy birthday to them or to offer them a special discount or because they bought product A, they might be interested in product B, so would you like to take a look at this and here's a discount to encourage them. There's so much you can do. So email is often one of the and big right, ones. And you're right, it works. I noted, Stephen, last night, I think the Iconic sent me a site to say something that was in my wish list was on special. And you automatically go, oh, really? Yeah. I wonder what that is. And I think yeah. so often it's overwhelming for businesses on an e-commerce journey to think, first of all, they either think it's really easy, I'll just build it and they'll come. Yeah. Or there's, you get so overwhelmed in the decision making of what you're going to do that it becomes really difficult to make that first step. And Rosie, I loved your point about that you had a few products to start, so you almost tailored your e-commerce journey to suit where the business was and Absolutely. incrementally grew it over time. Definitely. We switched from Big Cartel to Shopify and we were talking before that we're all on Shopify and it's yeah. a great platform. And what makes it I've really so evolved great. that. Did, that. Didn't you, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> I was genuinely surprised. <laughs> the money they, were both, the money they were both still already on Shopify. Well, I've never actually been taught how to use it. No. I've just sort of fumbled my way through it and I feel like mm. I have a pretty solid understanding of how it works now I can do everything that I need to do I mean I could probably do a bit more yeah. be nice to talk to you Ben um, yeah. so but I have add-ons I've got an automated email thank you and that is targeted to new customers or second time customers and it's the amount of um, beautiful messages that I've received back from that automated email where people really think that that's me just yeah, it's you. And I feel bad actually when they do send me such a beautiful reply saying thank you so much for taking the time to email me I'm really happy to support your brand I love all your beautiful yeah. things and I'm like oh god but, sorry, but I, I think it, it, it is you. It triggers something yeah. in them yeah. where they think, oh, yeah. I'm supporting someone. Because no, so it's back it's to Kevin's point, isn't it? That no matter what we do, whether it's on e-commerce, whether it's doing takeaway, whether it's welcoming people into our store, hmm. there's an energy around connection that we all need. And if we actually build just a purely e-commerce site that's about the product and not about that energy of bringing people through our journey, I think as you mentioned, Ben, we lose a little bit of the yeah, magic it's, in it's it. too dry really in that way. You've got to, and I mean, having bricks and mortar and online, it, there's got to be that continuity with it. So when people walk through the door, we say hello. It's that four second rule. Mm -hmm. If you ignore them, what are they gonna think? You know, it's, and so it's the same when you, when you land on a page. You want to be drawn in by beautiful photography or, mm. you know, a, a quirky message or something. So it's, it's all those touch points and there's, it's evolved from when I first set up a shop where you sat in the shop and you, sorry, stood in the shop, don't, you know, never sat. <laughs> so never sat. My ankles <laughs> still feel it, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, my varicose veins do too. Um, um, but you just, you waited for people to come through the door. Now there's so many avenues that you can mm. go and you've got to be receptive to that. Otherwise you don't stand a chance. You've got to be open to all those things. You've got to have after pay. You've got to have zip pay. You've got to have all these things that you're not quite sure whether they're going to work, whether they're going to make you that much money. It's almost like you, you, a few years ago, you kind of put that out of your head and you go, we've just got to be involved in this. Mm -hmm. And hopefully there'll be something left at the end of it if we want to survive. And, you know, you've, you've got to kind of just tweak those things like Instagram and, you know, you know when those optimum times were for posting, you know, wine o'clock, we mm -hmm. call it, you know, mm -hmm. and, and things like that. It's, mm -hmm. <clears throat> it's so important. And, and quite exhausting, really, because everything has got to be that consistent. You don't just wait for somebody to come in the door and go, hello, now. It's like everywhere, you know. It's I just... love that analogy of the house and the door, though. Like, in a way, yeah. what we're creating is multiple entrances to our home. Yeah. And you almost yeah. have to have everything tight. There's no back room. <laughs> yeah. Do you? Because people expect you to get back to them 
immediately yeah. at all times of the day, all mm. weekend. It mm. actually is really hard to turn off, whereas I think your experience with the customer in a bricks and mortar store is transactional yeah. and you wrap that's it beautifully right. and you and give they, it back to them that's right. and they're happy because they know what they've got. And if they're not going to come to your shop at midnight and expect you to be open. And you're no. probably not going to do as many returns and exchanges, which is something that takes up a lot of time yeah. for me, yeah. um, especially really with footwear basically. because I do kids' footwear. Often people buy something that hasn't fit, so there's a lot more admin involved with mm. emails and that's something during COVID that I've invested more money in with my brand because it's something that I have struggled with because I'm time poor, because yeah. I've got kids and I don't, I haven't had staff for a while. Um, so I've brought someone on to help me with emails and admin because it was getting too overwhelming. Um, and shipping has been a massive problem mm -hmm. with COVID as well. So I ship a lot internationally and the flights have all stopped. So yeah. there has been a lot more admin in terms of people checking, like even when they've got a tracking number, the tracking number's not moving. So then they're Contact following up. Becoming anxious that their product hasn't isn't going to arrive and it's not going to fit when it gets there. Arising in both on both sides, definitely, definitely. online expectations of customers are arising all the time. Because people buy from the iconic and Amazon, and they're so quick. Yeah. So to have a small business that's online, you have to be able to compete with them or make your customers understand that you are not ever going to be able to compete with them in the same way and that they have to understand that if you're a small mm. business with a small... Yeah. And that's um, where those automated emails of, hey, yeah, we've got your order, really you know, we're, yeah. we're busy, you know, waking up, putting our pyjamas on and we'll go and pack it or whatever yeah. it might be, that there is that sense of story. Also where that authenticity mm, comes exactly. into play because a brand like Amazon is never going to have the personal authenticity no, of these two business yeah. owners or an Alpha Label or yeah. Fiona Dunn at Glow Dry or any of these brands so where the, the owners are driving it. It's like, well, you're not, you don't have a relationship with the owner of your local Woolies, but you no. do have a relationship with your local greengrocer. It's that level. Mm. And yeah, Amazon are great for speed, but they don't, there is no authenticity or brand personality with that. So yeah. there's always that. And that's why niching is so important as well, because if you become the brand that does the kids' mm. fashion or does the, the Fremantle sort of homewares or does the, you know, uh, spray tanning powder or the eyeliner if it, all these a lot of these brands have this really really tight niche where you think oh how could they ever make a successful business out of one or two products mm. but the fact is that works really really well and if the if the brand has authenticity and you know a real personality to it and yeah. tone of voice then people will engage with it and it's almost on a person-to-person -person level because the brand does have its own personality and, and often a, a person driving the marketing as well. And I think that there's two elements, aren't there? There's the, what we were just talking about, the wine o'clock, where you're mm. you know, stro strolling through Instagram and you suddenly see something beautiful that you want to purchase immediately. And on the other side of that, in that niche band that you were talking about, you wake up one day and you want a purple eyeliner. And people now know, they just type in purple eyeliner. And the first thing that's got the most hits around that is the one that's yeah. going to come up. So I think we have almost those the browsers and then we have these very narrow product searches that we've kind of got to tap into. Yeah. Then on that, I mean, again, leading people to your site, different pathways, and obviously search engines are a huge part of that, as is Instagram and some of those other pathways. How do we lead people better to our house, so to speak? Again, so I must say that we don't do, we don't do uh, marketing at the cut as such. We don't deal with SEO and AdWords. We yeah. do deal with the marketing that revolves around the Shopify um, site itself. Yeah. Um, look, I think in e-commerce, the most common stories you hear are like really strong on social, um, like Rosie has. And, and again, we hear that story a lot of businesses yeah, that, are, that are <laughs> as old as she is that they were in that lucky space with Instagram where it was possible to build a, a big audience really quickly and easily, yeah. like those days are unfortunately over. But certainly those channels are still really important. Um, you know, opening up uh, uh, these multi-channel selling so you can now sell your products direct in Instagram and mm. Facebook. So more and more businesses are going, you know, what we call multi-channel or uh, an analogy, a, a term I hate is headless commerce. Mm. But um, 
it is a term that's in the industry and it basically means that you have sort of a central a central e-commerce hub, but your products are actually being sold across a multitude of channels, whether it is Amazon, eBay, Instagram, Facebook, Google Shopping, there's all these channels. Mm. So all of those spaces can be really, really powerful to, to drive people to, for sure. It's really good. And I, Rosie, I liked your comment in a way. I think AdWords, certainly in the late 90s, were you know the talk of everybody and we're all like, we've got to get over these AdWords. And I've found in my businesses I've never used them and it's really been the niche product and having something that people can find visually on those socials or through searching that you don't necessarily need them and I think for a lot of businesses they spend a lot of money in that space and forget that they actually have to have a nice clean house when you come yeah, to it. Yeah. I know it could be quite confusing all mm -hmm. that, what to actually put in your mm -hmm. words and what, what to, uh, how to do that but I, I think you're right, I think it's just make it just appealing, whether it's beautiful to look at, funny, you know, quirky, um, just something to, and then all that will follow. Mm. It's, you know, quite often people get bogged down with that machinations of, oh, it's got to have this word, it's got to, yeah. and it's like just, well, you know, it's, it's about that feel. It's about people loving what you do mm. and then engaging. You, you can't build it that way around. It's, you know, you're not, you, we're not engineers. We're not, you know, we're, we're feeling, you know, you, you know, and you're selling. Person, and yeah. at the end of the day, you all got into business for a reason. So yeah. you got into it because you loved a certain something about whatever something it is that you're selling. That's the, the core. And that's actually what you have to share with others yeah. through, as Ben said, that beautiful visual and that really quick journey in the site. Some fantastic, and I've got a couple more questions I would really like to ask, but I'm conscious of time. So Kelly, have we got any coming through on the floor? Yeah, do you want to... Um, on the online platform during COVID, do you feel you've been able to open up and convert sales from a much more wider audience geographically, like a different geographical catchment area? Yeah, um, to you, Rosie. I've had so many international sales um, during COVID, which has surprised me because at one point I was considering turning off international sales altogether because the shipping just became such a nightmare. Um, but it seems to be moving again now. Um, but yeah, I've had some new sales from oh Russia, wow. Slovakia, oh Bahrain, wow. <laughs> Finland, a lot from the US. Heaps from the US because I've had bathers on sale and sandals on sale, which, you know, oh, seasonally summer, so. the ultimate. But it yeah. has surprised me that in, the, in a way, I guess everyone's at home, so probably people are shopping online more. Mm. Totally. And how have you found that with furniture, Kevin? Has that moved a little bit during um, while everyone was looking at their we, couches at home? Yeah, that, the furniture just really went mad because I think that was it. People, people were sitting at home and going, we need to um, change the, you know, the lounge or, or whatever. We need to make the, the home more comfortable in a way. So, and, and people... You know, and that's, I think that's why the appointments work. They work especially well for furniture because um, people could come, then come in. You know, we, we were distanced and, and they could see what they wanted and then we deliver it. We wouldn't have to, you know, be that close to them. We could bring it into the house. You know, we wore gloves and, you know, we did all that. We just did lots of everything, but it did work really well. I mean, we don't sell furniture interstate, but we had a lot more online orders interstate as well, oh, you know. Wow. so. We were shipping stuff all over, not necessarily too much internationally, in fact, very little. Um, but um, yeah, we found sales from everywhere, you know, it was, mm. it was quite incredible. And the volume of it as well was, was, was good. Great. So That's really good. How have you found the traffic then, moving through the sites? Has it changed? So a really interesting stat to that question, which might help people have some context around it, is in North America during COVID, so maybe in the last three to four months, uh, the percentage of retail sales that has happened online has gone from 15% to 25%. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that sort of speaks to itself mm -hmm. and that, that'll be happening globally for sure. Obviously, North America is pretty much the biggest market. But what I think coming back to the, to the start of this conversation, it's really worth noting that all of these trends were very, very much established and already happening. Like mm -hmm. people in retail have been, physical retail have been worried for a long time and there's been a lot of conversation Bricks and mortar store is hurting, everyone is shifting online. And people are sort of saying, I've heard estimates anywhere from a two to 10 year period, 
e-commerce has been sort of accelerated in the last six months of COVID, anywhere from sort of two to ten years. I think ten years is probably a bit of a, a bit <laughs> of a stretch, but you know, clearly the the innovation. You know, at the end of the day, it has forced a lot of people to shop online for the first time because that was the only way they could get toilet paper, as an example. Yeah. Um, but also the people who are already buying online expanded the categories that they were buying online. Yeah. And will those habits stick? Absolutely they'll stick. Because why would someone want to drive up into mm. the suburbs to get product A when they can get it done in, in five minutes from their laptop and then go back to playing with their kids or working or whatever? Mm. Um, so yeah, a lot of those habits are going to stick, which is why that, that figure about the, the growth and the acceleration is so, have been so large. Mm. It's really interesting you say about the habits and the sticking because I think you're right where there's convenience and it's been an easy process and you feel like you haven't missed anything, then they're the products that you'll continue to get online. Absolutely. But I think then back into Kevin's point, the products you won't are the ones where you feel like you need a connection and you want something mm. and you want to know and you want to see, you know, and be inspired in that environment. I, I mean, I think no, I would never say that, re, uh, that physical retail is going to disappear. It, mm. I think Kevin's exactly right. It's definitely changing. Um, I mean, you're, yeah. you're yeah. proving it with what you were saying before we started the meeting. He, he's expanding mm. his offering in his location to become much more multi-dimensional, much more experiential. And you can see large uh, online retailers who have only been online actually starting to activate physical stores, Spaces, whether yeah. they're pop-ups or permanent mm. stores, so they can give people the experience of browsing and engaging with their brand mm. but I mean if you think about you know surf shops where you go in and have a coffee and sit down and read magazines or whatever it might be or grooming places where you get champagne and it's all becoming around the experience that you can offer in that physical space and some more diversity around what the businesses are offering as well. And that leads to online purchases. You know, if I think, for example, Kate Spade in New York, one of the most amazing experiences of my life was finding myself upstairs and randomly giving a glass of champagne while my friend was buying a handbag downstairs and I was sitting there just going, oh, wow, didn't expect this. Yeah. She came up and went, I just bought all this stuff and you're sitting here drinking <laughs> champagne, what the hell's going on? But now I feel an attachment and a loyalty to that brand simply because of that one experience I had eight years ago. Um, and I think that is that lead in as well to remember that those two things do go hand in hand and you can't replicate that physical surprise and experience that you get in person. It's almost like window shopping but with conversion is really the way we need to see those online I mean, stores. you know, Garden City is shifting, isn't it, to mm. become a more of a destination with, you know, more entertainment-based offerings in combination with mm. the retail, and that, yeah. that is where it's all, it's all going to go, Bringing the garden back sure. to Garden City, aren't they? Yes, absolutely, Indeed, absolutely. <laughs> Simone, did you have yeah. a question there? Um, it was around that experience. Um, as a retail designer, but mainly in the hospitality and fresh food world, we're always searching for the next best thing and we are bricks and mortar. But I have seen the shift where people like yourselves uh, are just, you know, nailing the online thing. So we're looking at it, well, how, if our client, say a supermarket or fr fruit and veg is selling online, how do we make their bricks and mortar even better? Because I think the expectation from the customers has grown so much that it's actually putting the pressure back on the bricks and mortar to deliver even bigger and better or more experiential than ever before. And like, this is for you, Kevin, like, have you been thinking about what's the next best thing for you and how you're going to keep those customers in totally. your store? I mean, we, we've been thinking about it for years, and but this has just sped that process up. You know, we've just um, created a studio area, which is for Hive. So we've got yoga happening there and um, photo shoots. We'll have meetings, you know, maybe the occasional wedding and things like that. So, but we've also got a cafe. We've got a hairdresser, beautician in there as well. So it's it's about having a, 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 a destination, but it's, it's, it's about having lots of reasons for people to be there. Now, we know as, as our, our brand itself, we've, we've, we've got, we have thousands and thousands of products. I think this has actually consolidated us in, in that way to have more but better products there for people, because I think there is that desire for people to, you know, spoil themselves with, 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 with a bit more as well with, through what's happened. So, 
that's we're shifting to to that having a quality having a purpose having a resonance with people i think we've always had that but i think it's 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 now more than ever i mean we we do do a little bit of production ourselves you know unlike yourself but i think we'll probably increase a little bit of that and get more of a feel around you know actual physical uh, feel to to what we do and, and created more products locally during covid yeah. because the supply chain to china broke down totally. with no one yeah. right from it was an early Chinese New Year so all of the yeah. factory workers went back to their hometowns and then they didn't come back to work so I had no ability to restock gumboots or the pajamas mm. that I normally would have done for the start of um, autumn yeah. winter so I ha utilized my local seamstress and bought That's Liberty awesome. fabric and yeah. um, created a whole new range that I've produced locally and that, that's been great. It's definitely and a I feeling. love the way you just say that. <laughs> like, I've just got some fabric and you just but created I, like, a whole new line. Like she's, the fabric yeah. is in O'Connor. I'm so lucky. Yeah. I live in Palmyra, so the fabric is in O'Connor. My seamstress mm. is in Hamilton Hill and I'm going to be featured on the Liberty London website yeah. soon because they've seen what I'm doing here and that mm. has all just happened because of and having to diversify because I wasn't going to have the other stock that I normally would have relied on at the moment. So. It's so amazing that story, one from a Fremantle business perspective because one of the things that's come out of our members survey recently is just how incredibly interconnected Fremantle business Definitely. is and I think mm. the ability to know that you've got fabric in O'Connor and that yeah. you've got a seamstress in Hilton that you can call, yeah. that's part of why it's successful to do business in these smaller yeah. sort of environments in a really creative city and the other one as you said is then translating that to match it in with a bigger brand yeah. it's almost taking the asset that we have and finding how we mm -hmm. connect further into that experience there's definitely a, a feeling from people coming in the store as well that they're they're there to shop and spend money mm. locally you know yeah. use yes, it or lose it in a way so and, right. and and that's up to us as well to look to that I feel that we need to be stocking brands that are mm. local now. And I mean, I know there's, there's great stores around town that do that. We've done mm. bits of it here and there, but I think our emphasis should shift to that. And you know, mm. it, 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 it's, it's imperative that we do that. Absolutely. We look after our own and we, we build out from there really. Mm -hmm. I think it's so important. And the other point, I think Rosie, that you touched on that I'd love to explore actually next mm. month, set the month in motion is that we do as business owners just talk about, oh, so we developed this particular product and then we got it going. And, you know, as someone that's built on a, a cheese subscription club, you know, it was a great idea. And then all of a sudden you're trying to find a refrigerated van to get somewhere and you're wondering how you're gonna deliver yeah. it on someone's doorstep yeah. and leave it there for an hour. The systems that go behind e-commerce is something, I, I, not for this conversation, but I think next month we really need to explore in detail because we're really talking about the front end in this conversation and behind yeah. that there's a whole lot of systems. But yeah. just really quickly from your experience, and particularly I guess Rosie where those systems have grown organically, what sort of tips would you give people on starting their e-commerce journey to make sure they're I guess their back room is as tidy as the front room. Yeah, the dashboard, well, use Shopify. I think it's a great <laughs> platform. Um, and we didn't pay them to say that we, then. No. Um, <laughs> the dashboard is very user-friendly. You can get all sorts of reports. Um, you can monitor which are your best products. So you understanding can, the reports. I understanding the everything, yep. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of add-ons and apps for um, shipping that make it really streamlined. Um, they're adding new things all the time with that, um, printing the shipping labels and There's a great one connecting. this morning that I saw came, come out as well. Again, not paid yeah, for just this, but the, always adding um, new things. the local delivery. So now you oh. can select postcodes around you that you'll just deliver wow. you know, straight away yeah. for free. You know, so you, it's very good. It's very good at, again, it's that local adding that value to That's really to, good because we have upped yeah. our local, we have started just dropping yeah, things dropping off things because well, there'll be do, something yeah. on Tuckfield yeah. Street or yeah. High Street and it's just so close it seems ridiculous yeah. to drive to the north for your mm. post office to then post it back to Tuckfield <laughs> Street. Yeah. You know, ridiculous. Exactly. We walk and do well, that. Yeah, so that's, yeah. Good. Yeah, that's, that's good. good. Given we've had such a great conversation about Shopify, unprompted, <laughs> um, what, what would be your top tips for people embarking on that journey in terms of systems or add-ons that they need to really look out for and how can you help organisations do that? 
Yeah, I mean, we, we approach it very much based on each business and brand and what they're going to be selling and, and that's where the conversation starts because someone who has a couple of products or maybe, uh, you know, two categories and ten products in each category is going to have a very different scenario to someone that's selling selling maybe a much more complicated offering like homewares is a, is a, can be a complicated one. So, you know, thinking about what you're going to be selling, um, thinking about what you need as a minimum viable um, selection of products and website to launch and, and get get going because that's really the most important thing. Um, I'd say the second most important thing is your branding. Um, we, we've been running our own podcast for a year or two and it doesn't matter who I ask whether it's merchants like these guys or e-com business owners like these guys or, or people who are in marketing or app developers when you ask someone you know what is the single most important thing you should never neglect about your e-commerce business 95% of the people will say their brand and that means not the logo but the way the brand looks and feels yeah. and communicates and, and how well thought out yeah. your personality, really the voice of the, the brand. Yeah. That is really such an important thing because it not only differentiates your brand and makes you unique, it gives personality to your brand and that allows customers to engage. Um, yeah, absolutely. Shipping's a big one. Your payment gateways. What sort of payments? How are you going to, you know, how are you going to manage your international shipping? Uh, as Rosie says, there's the the Shopify app store. So if people don't understand, Shopify works very much like your iPhone. You have Shopify, which is the iPhone, and then you have a bunch of apps which are all approved by Shopify to plug in. And there are two and a half, three thousand of them, and they do anything from. Uh, allow you to do email automations, to shipping, to different payments, uh, everything, you know, wholesale pricing levels. I mean, the list is massive loyalty and, and reviews and all sorts of things. So that's kind of the way Shopify works. You, you start with that central platform. And Shopify itself, the core platform and the features that come included uh, is always growing as well and becoming more and more sophisticated as the, as the platform develops. So. I think that world of e-commerce, and particularly even just websites and the open source nature of some of those websites, actually enables that entry to be so much easier, doesn't it? And then you buy the add-ons and you just keep growing and developing as you find you, the need arises, which is so different from years ago where you had to build absolutely everything, you know, in this very customised code way that then to change it was very difficult. And I think that's yep. something else for all of the businesses listening in is that the ability to be flexible and to customise with that open source and those um, new add-ons is really also, important. I can control the whole thing from my phone so yeah. and when I ship at the post office at the moment they've I get a big discount when I go in store to the post office to do my shipping but I can send the tracking number and scan it while I'm there with so I just look up the order number and markers fulfilled and scan it as I go mm. so then they're getting the tracking number yeah. instantly that then get, sends them an email it's all automated and very simple I actually got super accessible. It's yes. designed for anyone to be able to jump in there and, and build themselves a simple site and, and get going and then it goes right up to enterprise level where you've got brands like JB Hi-Fi was a big one that came across to Shopify oh, wow. um, last year. Um, so yeah, I mean it's worth, probably just worth noting that it, it isn't actually open source, it is a hosted platform yeah. but the advantages of that is it's very, very stable, it's very, very yeah, secure. You guys don't have to worry about security certifications or your hosting or, or traffic overloading the site. All of those things are taken care of. A thousand of. bots from Russia crashing oh, yeah. your site, for example. Yeah. Yeah. business crashes all the time and it drives her nuts. Yeah, it's very, very robust and very, very dependable. And as these guys have said, the, the back end and managing your products and your content is, is really mm -hmm. the best in class for mm -hmm. sure. That's fantastic. Translating that into bricks and mortar yeah. as well, it, it's, you know, even people shopping online when when they're in your store, right. you know, or, or yes. you know, we've we've had that, you know, we, I mean, bricks and mortar needs to become, you know, needs to drive online shopping. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It needs to actually be present and not look at it as this separate entity that's scary in a way. Just get so amongst true. it and drive it. Become a distribution centre mm -hmm. for brands. You know, mm -hmm. I've, even looking at Amazon, looking at various retailers to actually become those distribution, the local distribution centres, mm. so people can go and pick up that day, you know, because transporting is 
such a problem as well. It's that immediacy that people want. And so, it's that in and out, isn't it? Like I was just, as you were talking, Kevin, I was thinking, you know, using it online. You, you know, you go in, you see something amazing. You are going to take a photo of it. You yeah. are potentially going to yeah. send a web link to a friend to say, I've just mm. seen such and such. Mm. Providing the visual in store mm. that enables people to take that photo, to do those yeah. things. Really yeah, important. We're, we're it's a renaissance, really. Yeah. It's not an apocalypse, really, for bricks and mortar. I like that. But you've got to embrace it and just get out there, you know, and not be put off by... The good thing is with... Um, I won't mention the name again, because I think no. he's had enough, Yeah. Hasn't he? <laughs> that, that. But it, it is great. It does allow you to be creative. Mm -hmm. It's not just putting these exactly. engineering things in front of you that you don't understand. It's very, very user-friendly, and it, it helps you to, to add on. As you grow. So for a small business, it's not daunting. You don't have to get a computer engineer in to, to, yeah. to set your online store up. Uh, you know, so, yeah. yeah. Great. Kelly, anything else? There's one from... Um, we do have uh, one more question online. Um, are there any other examples of e-commerce platforms aside from basic MailChimp that members can consider? For emailing? Yeah, for emailing. Yeah, so there are many, there are many of them, or, or quite a few at least. Um, we we personally use ourselves and recommend one called Clavio or Clavio. Um, it's with a K, K L A V I Y O. I hope I've got that right. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I have. Yeah. So look, there there are lots. If you go onto the Shopify um, site and uh, and search in the App Store and search email marketing, you'll pop up with with um, some of them. There are, there are lots of them. We really like Clavio. It's super sophisticated and and reasonably simple to set up and manage. Um, and what, what are the assets of it? What gives it that strength that you talk of then? So look, if you compare it to MailChimp, and look, Shopify now, uh, it's, not, it's unlikely, to be, it's unlikely yeah, to be cheaper, but the, 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 the features you get generally if the database of customers is big enough will more than pay for itself in terms of the engagement you can achieve. Um, so MailChimp and Shopify used to integrate together directly, but they had a they had an argument and they broke up. Basically, <laughs> it was the end of the romance. So Shopify have got their own um, native email that's built into the platform. It's quite simple at this stage. It will develop, um, but something like Clavio allows you to set these automated flows. So you might have. A, 10 or 15 or t end up having 20 or so automations where there's all these emails going out automatically to Ben because he bought you know a shirt and he might like the shoes or it's a one-year anniversary or it's been three months since he visited there's so many things you can do that once it's built out are all happening automatically you don't have to think about it and because it's personalised and says hello Ben and it's also based on my shopping habits, the engagement you get around that as Denisha said earlier is pretty extraordinary. Mm. And of course you can run you know, one-off campaigns from those platforms as well. So it comes down to segmenting your audience, understanding what each individual is into and mm. what, they, what they're interested in from your brand and then communicating to them on that level. That's so where the power lies. Spotify as well? Yep, on Shopify. <laughs> <laughs> That's really common. Spotify, yeah. Shopify. Yeah. It's understandable. Lots of fires going on. Yeah. Absolutely. Spotify, music not. streaming, Shopify. I've used one called Commerce. Kit, which okay. I found really good, and that yeah. there are heaps of good is ones. How I send my automated emails, but it also can create really quick ads on Facebook and Instagram for you as well. That. Um, yeah, found oh, that's, that's quite great. and it kind it, of again it's linking it's taking a little bit of that to do and out to yeah. get those different platforms all working at the same time. Yeah. That's great. And that was Kit, did you say Kit, Rosie? Yeah. Um, we're almost running out of time and I always feel like we could just keep talking and talking. We've talked a lot about the right things to do. And I actually just mentioned FI then and I was thinking, you know, there's always the wrong way to do something really, isn't there? Um, and I find that sometimes quite an intriguing Thing to think of. So in winding up from each one of you, if you had to think of something definitely not to do or something truly horrific that you've seen in this movement online, what would it be? Can you think of any examples that uh, help put what is the right thing to do in context? I think probably in a broad sense is, is just sort of, I guess, neglect of mm -hmm. this idea of just spinning up a site that you haven't considered your customers, you haven't really bothered about how it communicates or there's photos or how it works on mobile and then having an expectation that it's going to work is probably, it's almost a bit like it's attached to that build it and they would come idea. Someone said to me the other day, uh, a partner we work with, he said like it, 
it, why, why wouldn't they take you know investment in this thing seriously when the potential of it is so huge for their business? And I, and I guarantee you that they're not running an untidy, hopeless-looking retail activation. But the online is seen as this, you know, yeah. little thing that they're not going to spend too much time thinking about. I mean, that that's something we see a bit. But yeah, I mean. It's understandable as well, I guess. It's, it can be a big shift for people to come off traditional retail and start to wrap their head around digital. And as Rosie said earlier, that idea in retail, you open your shop, you close your shop, that's done. Online's never done. And it's on 24-7. And it is easy right. to neglect it and go, yeah. oh my God. Absolutely. I was yeah. very glad when school went back to <laughs> um, We're lucky in WA. <laughs> Rosie, for you, what's your top thing that you've seen in all those trawls of either in US sites and other brands around the world? What's something that when you hit an online site just gets your hackles up? Uh, I'm not really one to... <laughs> I'm, I'm more impressed usually yeah. than... Um, turned off by things. I'm impressed when a small business has all of those um, extras or their website looks beautiful or something like that. Maybe um, not updating your stock and um, it's frustrating when something that you link from Pinterest is gone and sold out. And um, yeah. But I could probably list 10 stores that are doing it really well yeah. before I could list 10 that that's, well, that's yeah. a great sign, isn't it? How about for you, Kevin? I What's your pet hate in the e-commerce <laughs> world? Pop-ups. Pop-ups. I think we've got one at the moment. So, <laughs> so quick, don't, don't go on there. But, we, yeah, they, they annoy me. They're, because I've gone to that site. I don't want to be... I don't, yeah, and, you know, I want to look at... Be welcomed. Yeah. And having something going, sign up for our newsletter. No, you can time, you can time yeah. them so you can set them so that they won't okay. trigger until a person has spent yeah, 90 seconds on your site. What or platform would I use for that? You can do that with Shopify. You can do that with Shopify. You could let me know. That'd yeah, someone great. said to me the other day, uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't shout at someone as soon as they walk into your shop door. <laughs> Come and give me a hug and let me put you on our mailing list. But a lot of brands yeah. do it like bang. Yeah. No, yeah. No, no, yeah. That's. The chatbots, you know, the questionnaire thing, because they annoy me when they're obviously a computer. Like, surely the technology's there to make it look like you're actually talking to someone. I'm sure it is. Yeah, you can set up some pretty clever flows with those chats, and they can be useful at a level. They can be useful, but, yeah, they're not for everyone. And, again, it's about finding what aligns with your business and your brand, I think, and what works for your customers. Well, I've asked my final question. Kelly, you said there's one more online that we'd like to cover off. Um, this is from a member saying, this discussion has definitely given me focus to get my website completed, but my biggest problem is my photography. I've looked at some apps to use, but there is there any that you can recommend? Editing apps? Do you think they may? I think that's what they I mean. have been using Lightroom and After delight for mm. a long time and I really like those. I've recently got some presets so you can kind of purchase presets that keep your feed consistent so you edit each photo that you take with the same same uh, grading same and, yeah. um, set filters, filters and, and, yeah. but it's not necessarily a filter style it's more just a, it's much more subtle. To get that beautiful almost antique look that you yeah, kind of get to your shots. Yeah or just the Christmas and lightness of a photo, mm. getting mm. the brightness and contrast correct. Um, At the end of the day... For product photos, there's, I think, just look around and look widely at how other people are doing it and go to Bunnings and get some backdrops light and kind of and take it yeah. in natural light from above straight on or from front on, line things like up. like Ben said in many ways, you know, in a bricks and mortar store, you wouldn't try and DIY everything. You know, you're going to need sometimes a fit-out expert or someone yeah, to build your wall. Yeah, but sometimes that costs so much, much money, money. Yeah. Um, to, to get a professional photographer absolutely. to do everything. So it's worth learning some basics. That a lot of it comes down to the rely. products. Mm. Like it can be quite easy if you've got small products to set yeah. up a simple little light box, which can be bought from online or any photography studio and shoot nicely. You need a tripod, yeah. a light box, and, and like a consistent angle to start with. It can mm. be done pretty easily and simply. Mm. I mean, you know, don't want to trivialise. It's no, all it's all exactly, work. Don't um, be afraid of just having a go. Having I'd a say. go. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. you know, and play around with it. Don't be put off by people saying, "Well, that shot." You know, mm -hmm. you you'll get there. 
it's, it, you know. And maybe sometimes it's setting the framework, like Ben said, you know, getting an expert in to, to set some basics, give you that brand, give you that look, give you that feel that then you can take Replic through it yeah. and replicate yeah. it. Um, because certainly, you know, the, the site that has professional photos on it versus the site that doesn't is very, very clear and very easy to see. But maybe it's getting those first few shots, investing in maybe one session that then you can um, carry through. We always the use a professional photographer for our big photo shoots and then I've got a kind of good bank of photos from each photo shoot that I can repost and that's always and then you really fill nice. In and then the middle, yeah. fill it in with um, customer photos that they send in or my flat, flat lays that I take and change things around all the time. So. Works. Lots of work, I think, is the takeout of today's conversation. <laughs> um, and, I, and again, I think, Ben, your point about neglect is just so important. You're having a conversation with someone and you're on that conversation and you have to be there. You can't suddenly start wandering off and doing other things while people are actually wanting to engage with you. You can. You can. <laughs> it doesn't help your brand very much. That's right. That's Absolutely. my experience. <laughs> So wonderful. Thank you all so very much. As I said, I think this is the sort of conversation we could just keep going with, um, but we will need to turn off and, and get back to our, our days. Um, obviously, your stores are around, and Ben, um, you know, your expertise is available for people who do want to follow up yeah. afterwards, and um, we'll share some of that information. So thank you all very much, and thank you to our live audience as well. It's so lovely to have you back in the room, um, and to those listening on Facebook. Um, yeah, I hope you'll join us next month where we'll have a chat about some of those systems for growth behind the scenes. And Chris, our fantastic AV man, thank you again for bringing it to us. <laughs>